2: Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg.
0: This is Martina Navratilova.
2: I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Winka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray.
0: And you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. <laughs>
2: Well, hello. This is the Tennis Podcast brought to you, as always, in association with The Telegraph by myself, Catherine Whittaker, by David Law. We remain in, in disparate parts of the United Kingdom while tennis continues to take place, what, eight, 7,000 miles away from us in various parts of, of the far east where the weather looks significantly better than it does here um there've been several winners on the WTA and ATP tours this week bits and bobs of of news not a lot of admin based tennis news this week david the listeners are going to be disappointed i that's that's, that's what people tune in for <laughs>
0: Well, you say that. Simon Briggs uh, saw the headline on last week's show, which was something like uh, the state of tennis politics by Simon Briggs, and he queried whether it would be the least viewed or listened to (laughs) show in the history of the tennis podcast. I can inform him that absolutely not. People wanted their uh, their political news brought to them by... Simon Briggs of The Telegraph. So, uh, yeah, it was listened to. But, yeah, fortunately, we can get back to hitting balls over nets, which, in fact, I did last week myself, Catherine, in an epic. Did you hear about my epic?
2: I saw you uh, You tweeted something. You tweeted something. It's tweeted in a lot of deal, uh, uh, detail about a school line and requested yes. a, a GIF to to accurately summarise this score line. And I found myself trawling through the ATP WTA results app thinking, what like what match is he talking about i don't that that didn't happen <laughs> what 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 where was this drama that i missed
0: yeah, it's, and it's uh
2: amazing. yeah it took quite a long time for the very disappointing other shoe to drop
0: yeah yeah it was me and my friend simon uh not not that simon who i've never actually played simon briggs yet uh but i did play uh my mate simon i suspect
2: david he would beat both of us
0: i'm i'm Oh well, that's the gauntlet has been thrown down. Not only am I going to get revenge against you, I am going to defeat Simon Briggs next time I see him. But yes, uh, my I've never beaten this guy who who I played the other day, and I got to match point twice, and uh, and I still failed to convert. So um, yeah, did you it, choke? Did I choke? Do you know what I? I Is choking. If you think to yourself, "God, I'm playing well today," I tell you, you know. Did you get
2: on those two match points, David? Were you beaten fair and square? Did you play good points where you had no regrets? No. (laughs) <laughs> did, you, did you double fault with the ball that bounced before the net
0: no i've given that up now i've
2: stopped that
0: <laughs> right. but i did
2: you realize that was not an effective tactic put it
0: this obviously. way i didn't play as well ahead as i did behind i mean that that is something both of us were doing a lot and that happens in the pros doesn't it so it's interesting is that?
2: isn't it yeah yeah, well, the good news, David, I, in fact, I meant I made a mental note to mention this on the, the podcast at the time and then didn't because there was all sorts of jazz going on um, in actual tennis. But there was uh, another podcast I listened to um, a while ago about choking. Um, and I'm desperately now going through my podcast app, David, to try and find it so I can give it its appropriate use. But basically, long story short, a lot of research done into choking, a lot of psychological research. I think they used a slightly more finessed word than choking. Um, but it is, you're more likely to choke the more intelligent you are. Oh, really?
0: Oh, well, I'm a genius.
2: Correlation. Correlation between intelligence and choking is the bottom line. Oh.
0: That's quite useful. Well, anyway, the the gift uh, that I chose in the end, Catherine, was one of Andy Murray just sitting on his chair, roaring in clear frustration, uh, because that's what happened to me. I ended up losing 7-5 in the tiebreak. And uh, so, yeah, on to the next one is all I can say. Um, But yeah, I think that the real tennis world has been more more successfully followed than my own uh, this week.
2: I think was it an episode of Free Economics? It was, Radio. yes. That's it was right. Free Economics. Yeah. And what was the name of the the famous golfer David that they used as their case study? The oh, famous a, golfing choke.
0: Vanderveld, wasn't it? The, there
2: you go. Yeah. They the with ended him up
0: on it. Knee high in the uh, in the water, wasn't he? Uh, yes. When he was and about he led, to win the Open.
2: It was it was a mere technicality. A mere technicality and uh he ended up losing. Why We Choke Under Pressure, Brackets and How Not To, an episode of the Freakonomics podcast from July the 19th. What's the Um, the
0: biggest tennis choke you've ever seen? At Tennis Podcast, let us know. I mean, I think... I mean, look, you know
2: what's going to happen. We're going to get a load of people texting you saying the use of the word "choke" is completely disrespectful. You can't say choke.
0: Okay. What is the biggest loss? No, no. I'm still comfortable.
2: Any... I'm, I'm very comfortable with this using it, David. Okay.
0: All right. Well, <laughs> Just... yeah. I mean, there's, there's been some
2: belts. Biggest. So... The biggest tennis choke.
0: We'll ever we'll think of. The, think Hang
2: about on. it over the week. Wasn't uh, this is. A, mean for poor Kyle Edmund and it's, it's recency byns, but wasn't he five love up in the final set against Jack Sock in Paris yes, last year that's right and Sock went on to win the whole title
0: poor old Carl. but when when is it a choke and when is it the other player just doing brilliantly as my opponent clearly must have done the other day
2: well is it I mean g- golf is a better it's the perfect example isn't it because your play other than psychologically is not at all influenced by your opponent your opponent or opponent's plural, whereas in tennis obviously they are they're they're providing you with your the ball that you're hitting mm-hmm. um so yeah it's not as it's it's it, the variables aren't as easy to seal off in tennis as they are in sports such as golf or figure skating for example i mean you'll yeah, figure skating has seen so i've snuck figure skating into the podcast again david Yeah. um it's that time of year yeah you see some incredible chokes in figure skating um biggest choke i've ever seen
0: i'll give you a week uh, catherine to think well, about what have it. you
2: got i just did a really good one off the top of my head you've got you've got you've given me nothing well no i
0: haven't really got it <laughs> so i need to look i'm a bit older than you so it takes a bit of time for my uh, Do you, Gray do, to kick do you in. know
2: what there's one that i hope she wouldn't mind me saying this um because uh she said it on the record before but daniela hantakova um in the was it the australian open semi-final um yes against anna ivanovich wasn't it she was a set and two love up against anna ivanovich uh and she said she Lost her serve to get, I think she won the, was she six love, two love? It was some, she was playing extraordinarily well. It was either six love or six one first set. And then she was two love up and I think 15 love. And then she lost three po- points in her own. And she said in her mind, as preposterous as it sounds, she said in her mind, she was like, it's over now. It's, it's, it's gone. It's gone away from me. I'm going to lose this. Yet the score line was still saying she's six love, to love, you know, fifteen forty or whatever it is, which oh, is extraordinary, wow. and, and she did, and she did end up going on to lose it. I mean, that's yeah. I mean, and she's, you know, she says she lost it. I mean, Ivanovich still had to had to beat her. You know, all the caveats about not taking anything away, but you know, Daniela describes this enormous, from the outside, ridiculous shift mentally. Um, you know, she started thinking about it. She said she started thinking about the position that she was in and everything changed rather than, you know, doing everything on instinct. She suddenly sort of went, oh, I'm a set and, and two love. It can, it can only get worse from here.
0: Yeah, this is what so happened it, to me where, uh, at the the Henley and Arden Tennis Club where there was only me and this other person uh, in the whole <laughs> club. <laughs> it was deserted. Uh, anyway, um, so the, on a, on a on slightly unrelated and slightly related note, you mentioned Kyle Edmund and that that loss he had to Jack Sock, I read Jack Sock's record this year is something like six matches won, nineteen defeats. It is
2: exactly that. Yeah, he's about to tumble uh, to outside the world's top hundred and fifty. It's ama- and it it makes you it, it's a real um, eye opener about the the ranking system, isn't it? Because he's 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 barely won a match all year. Barely, barely, barely. And yet he's been top 20 for most of the year. He's been riding on his successes at the back end of last year in Paris, as we mentioned, and at at the O2. He's been riding that through this year. That's been enough to, to float his ranking. So it's been a strange example of the ranking, actually, for pretty much the entirety of 2018, just not reflecting at all um the level of yeah, tennis that he, he's been playing and he's, he's 17 he is in the so, world
0: right now but but yeah, i mean he's, he is, his he race is, about, is 159 or something on the race for the calendar yeah, year. yeah and
2: if and if he if he doesn't do anything uh in in paris and well he's not going to be at the o2 but i mean no one's no one's going to be putting their house on him having any kind of run in paris are they uh he is going to plummet i, I mean at uh, uh, we yeah we'll probably be doing a pole vault about whether there has ever been a rankings plummet that severe uh, before you know from one day to the next he's gonna he's gonna fall about 150 places.
0: Did you just propose a pole vault?
2: Well, actually, no. I I already regret it because that's something that's scientific. I mean that right. Greg Greg Sharco uh, of ATP fame, I'm sure, will produce that statistic. At Tennis uh, Podcast, as and when it happens.
0: anecdotally, what, what is the, the <laughs> biggest rankings drop you can remember Please, after a break? Please,
2: unscientifically, tell us the uh, answer to an yeah, entirely scientific question. After Brilliant. a breakthrough
0: year, what is the biggest disappointment from a player the following season? At Tennis Podcast. So there's, we, we got two chokes. Jeannie
2: Bouchard has to be up Crikey, there.
0: Crikey, yeah. Bouchard's up there. Uh, she's just gradually starting to rebuild it a little bit, isn't she? But then uh, I also think... Part of that is that she's now accepted or been forced to accept that she can't enter all these big tournaments anymore. So she's entering tournaments with lower ranked players that she can probably have a better chance of beating. So which is probably what she should have been doing anyway. Uh, right. What's on the agenda, Catherine? Because we have just spent 11 minutes completely <laughs> ignoring what Matt's put down for us
2: right then well the tennis that's been happening in the far east should we start well i was going to start with the women's but since we've already mentioned kyle edmund and we're sort of generally vaguely on a in in the in the men's zone um uh should we stay with that should we do beijing should we wrap up it. beijing in tokyo why don't we well Uh, Beijing was won by uh, Nicolas Baselashvili, who beat, um, the word I've seen a lot is an ailing, an ailing Juan Martín del Pocho, definitely suffering with some kind of cold or flu. Probably a cold, but because he's a man, he's calling it the flu. Oh, Um, that's how
0: we're saying it, is it?
2: Yes, yeah, it is. Right. It's his second ATP 500 title of the season. He also won Hamburg uh and uh yeah he beat Kyle Edmund in the semi-final good week for Kyle definitely playing uh the the kind of tennis he was playing at the Australian Open you know he was he's definitely been off on the hard courts on the U.S. hard courts and leading up to the U.S. Open you know I remember uh, we both we interviewed him back to back didn't we on the eve of the U.S. Open and there was a, a couple of minutes in between while um the Amazon camera crew was setting up and I came over to you and I said, well, you got any tips? Do you get anything out of him? And uh, you said to me, he's definitely, he's saying the right things, but you can tell that he's reaching, he's searching. Um, well, he, he he definitely found it, I think, uh, in Beijing last week. Really, really big week for him. However, he's still yet to win a title, isn't he? And let's face it, on on paper... That was a really, really big opportunity for him. I'm, I'm sure psychologically he'll be leaving, you know, saying, "Good week, brilliant." You know, positives far outweigh negatives, but it is just another little opportunity missed. And I'm I, fa- I
0: was thinking about this earlier today. I, uh, w- I'm fairly sure about six months ago we had a similar conversation about Kyle that that he he needs to get over this hump that he has yet to he's he's yet to reach a final, isn't he? Or is that right?
2: No, is, I think he reached reach a final a ti- this year, didn't he? Reach the Rabat final,
0: something like that. Yeah, he's or, he's yet to win a title. Rabat, that's it, Morocco.
2: So, yeah, he's yet to he's yet to win a title, and, for sure.
0: and and that just feels out of sync, really. You know, he he needs to get that sorted one way or another. And I mean, I know that's stating the obvious, but here's a player who's just incrementally knocked down the barriers in front of him. He's he's he doesn't do one after another lots. of lots in a row but but he'll suddenly he'll suddenly have a breakthrough and he's there and then he's comfortable in those surroundings and and that's the next one for him the problem is he's now at a a level of tournaments as we were just saying about Bouchard you start get if you get go the other way and you start getting into these better tournaments it becomes harder to find tournaments that you can win without having to play way above your ranking and beat players ranked higher than you but you know there will be tournaments uh, I don't know whether it's uh the, the early part of next year or, or whatever it might be now. But he needs to get a, a title win because then you just, you you must surely feel differently when you're just holding a trophy. It, it must do.
2: Oh, I mean, without without question. Without question. I mean, we see with, with players dropping down to play at challenge level just to... Just to get the feeling of winning matches again, you know, all the pros will say the old cliche about winning. Winning is a habit and it doesn't matter what level the opponent is. It's the, it's the fact of winning somehow um, becomes a habit. So, and look, he's winning tennis matches again and he, and he's imposing his game again, which is most important. You know, Kyle Edmund is not going to win passive tennis matches, is he? So the, the signs are good, but you're right. It's it's uh, it's an important hurdle, which I think needs to be overcome soon, because it's the old thing of, you know, uh, uh, accumulating scar tissue and baggage, isn't it? It's going to be it's going to become an increasing thing in his own mind. Um, So yeah, it'd be interesting to see what he does. Do we know what his plans are pre Australian Open? Um, I haven't seen at.
0: which uh, which sort of pre events he's playing because he, he's I mean, not. It's playing definitely not Hotman. He's not
2: Hotman Cup because C- no. that's Norrie and Bolter, isn't Correct, it? Correct. Uh, yes. They've announced yeah. that. Um, so be interesting to see what he does. Whether he plays Sydney. Whether he you know plans to play uh, both weeks. the week directly before Australian Open. You know, if I were him, I'd be eyeing. I'd be eyeing a title there.
0: Mm, yeah. Um, Incidentally, the, the the player who beat him, Nicholas Basilashvili, and the chap. Who won in Tokyo, Daniel Medvedev? Don't you just think they are two really impressive players who've made major strides this year, largely unnoticed, and they are the the sort of player that that just they, they get it done and nobody makes any fuss about them. I was looking at this uh this rankings rise riser list that uh, our colleague Nick Lester tweeted um last night I think and and it showed all the, the 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 names that we're always talking about like Stefanos Tsitsipas and and Denis Shapovalov and and Chung and all these sort of players and you know then you look at Medvedev and he's had just as impressive a rise more so than some of them and and gets no 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 real noise at all
2: yeah because he's not you know he's not jazzy in the way that some of the other hashtag next gen are i think he's is he just out of next gen this year is he uh i'm not sure he's next gen this year but anyway in in spirit he's next gen um yeah he's not you know he's he he's he's not eye-catching in the way that shapovalov and and Sits a are um, You know he's not being sort of rammed down our throats from a PR perspective, is he? Um, he's a he's a Russian whose favourite surface is grass. Um, no one really knows what to do with him, where to put him, and of course he, you know, he has had a couple of um, moments where he hasn't covered himself in glory. No, his uh, behaviour
0: on court has been really yeah. questionable a couple of times, hasn't it?
2: Yeah, the the throwing of the coins. Uh, at the umpire was a particular low point which we can't gloss over but um yeah he he's I'm I'm pleased for him I'm pleased he's just plugging away and with these next geners we we we've come to expect you know that it always has to be done via some extraordinary breakout week like Shapovalov beating Nadal in Montreal or you know mm -hmm. Sitsipas having a similar breakthrough um, this year but no it can be done incrementally and that's sort of more his style isn't it Daniil Medvedev far more his style um, and to beat Kei Nishikori in Tokyo blimey he beat Nishikori in the final um, in in Tokyo uh, to win the bi- biggest title of his career incidentally his third title Medvedev exactly I, I, yeah it, I mean that's yeah and 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 again, not to, I don't want to harp on about Kyle's deficiencies, especially when it was fundamentally a very good week for him but that put it puts it in some context, doesn't it that someone like Medvedev who we don't even think of as having had his big breakout moment yet it, it, he's already won three titles um, and he's
0: gone from eighty four in the world at the end of last year to currently twenty two in the world, which is. Not far off what Sid Sabas has done, 91 to 15 in the world. Um, and, and I mean, we're always talking about Denis Shapovalov. He's gone from 51 in the world to 29. So a much more gentle ascent for Shapovalov this year, who's who has been at times a little disappointing, as exciting as he's been. I don't know. What, what do you think?
2: Oh, he's it's been a disappointing year for him without question. Um he had that big week in Madrid, didn't he? But apart from that, it's it's a struggle to find standout standout results from him. Um, you know the uh, Did you see the match point he had against Nishioka? Was it Nishioka? Yeah, Nishioka last week. No,
0: I didn't. Um, I think you, you you mentioned it to me, but I didn't actually get around to asking you what happened.
2: Oh, I mean he he put a volley that you or I could have made. Let's um, not exaggerate outside the tram lines.
0: Okay. Oh dear. That's uh, And went that's on nice. to lose
2: all remaining games uh and lose the match. Yeah, it was the sort of miss which can get into your head. Mm-hmm. Um Well, I mean so, he's, st- he's
0: still on the rise but but it feels like he's got a bit of a bit of work to do, really.
2: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I th- I think I think he will maybe be pleased to see the end of the season and get the chance to to have a bit of a regroup um, but then you know before he knows it that 2019 will be here and goodness there'll be pressure then but anyway end couple, of season first a couple of, first. Other, end couple of season other players first. who've Just, risen
0: here Catherine. Uh, alex Dibanor has gone from 208 in the world to 33 in the world um francis and TFO, still looks
2: like a 12 year old
0: he does francis tfo has gone from 79 to 40 who i i think I mean, I, I think Dimonor has got further strides to make as well. I think there is a top 20, top 15 player in there. Uh, I, I think TFO will scrape into the 20s. Um, but I don't think he's going a whole lot higher than that. It's quite interesting that uh, both Brad Gilbert and I've seen Marty Fish has been very vocal about TFO's potential, as has Patrick McEnroe. I, I think he's a great mover and he hits the ball incredibly hard, but I, I really do see a, a ceiling to his game.
2: The technique is funky, isn't it? Mm. Particularly on the forehand, it's funky technique. He gets a lot of return from it, he gets a lot out of it because of the power he applies, but it doesn't feel e- efficient like efficient tennis to me. Do you know what I mean? Like He's expending a heck of a lot of energy to, to get that power on the ball. It's not easy power, is it? It's um, it's effortful power somehow. And yet, he's a naturally great mover. He's obviously a very fit guy um, and seems very committed to his tennis, which is good to see. But yeah, I think there's a, a natural technical ceiling um, in a way that there, there might be a sort of physical ceiling for for um but I, I don't know he's not he he's not the man he's going to be yet is he i don't know what he's going to look like in four years i think he might be unrecognizable do you know what i mean like he can't continue to look 12 years old forever Mm. um but, you know <laughs> so, you,
0: you know how i've been asking everybody to tell me a, a good box set to watch recently
2: i i can imagine found one, david don't you david you found one
0: i found one friday night lights folks and
2: you were you were ashamed to tell me about it and, well i thought uh, you I would said, yeah me. i thought you would all of it in about six days i thought you would Love be
0: scathing it. and i was i, I mean i, a, I, I think, a
2: sports-based tv drama david. yeah I absolutely it, not
0: I, I thought it wasn't going to be worthy enough to be honest and then and then and i actually let a whole night pass before admitting it <laughs> and uh and then and then when i did you, you told me you were delighted with it so uh,
2: very very supportive of I, was, your efforts, I was thrilled
0: uh, anyway i could imagine alex Dimonor not looking out of place in one of those shows uh, where you're you know in a high school and i mean he's he's probably past high school, yeah, but he age, would be the he? kid
2: that you know in all of these high school dramas they all are like twenty eight playing seventeen year olds um he would be he 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 looks too young he looks too much like a real school kid
0: he does he does he does look like a, <laughs> to actually
2: a, play a school kid a
0: character in neighbors um do you know what neighbors yeah. is yeah is that, is that, you must... I do know
2: what neighbors is. Yeah, you do? Of course I know what neighbors is. I right, watch okay. neighbors in its heyday. Heyday, yeah,
0: it's heyday was when Jason Donovan and Kylie Minogue were in it. Did you watch it when they were around?
2: Were no, you alive? I'd say, the, I'd say the heyday was like the Kennedys when the Kennedys first arrived. And anyway,
1: there, there are some looked, American
2: I mean, people that listen to this podcast, David, and they are tuning out in their <laughs> droves. They're,
0: they're in it for the Friday Night
2: Lights bit.
1: Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com.
0: Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. What were you going to say? I can't remember. It was about 10 minutes ago.
2: It was a while ago. I was I was maybe going to mention, um, do you remember when Nicolas Basilashvili won one game in three sets against Rafael Nadal?
0: Yes. Yes. At the French Open last year, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah.
2: I mean, other weaker human beings might have just, you know, burned all their tennis rackets and <laughs> given it up. Um and uh, a few people were were after he won the title in Beijing were um circulating quotes from his press conference after that defeat and one person it doesn't say it just says question it doesn't say who, say who the questioner was in the transcript but basically asked him are you ashamed you know did did do you feel dirty they said do do you feel the need to sort of go and have a shower straight away to wash away the the grime <laughs> of that performance um so yeah look i mean getting beaten by nadal in paris um soundly is there's no shame in that but one game in three sets i mean you you could you could be waking up having nightmares um for quite a long time couldn't you so oh, i'm i'm pleased for him he, he's another one that belts the ball yeah absolutely. well absolutely belts it
0: that does appear now to be all he goes out and seeks to do is just destroy tennis balls and and looking at his ranking history it's quite interesting to watch a player's trajectory in this way he spent two years knocking around 100 in the world and then he he managed to break through and get into the sort of 50 to 100 level and he was there for a year and a half and he's now got himself to a career high 23 in the world so you know, that's that's a really good rise that he's made this year. He's twenty six years of age now, as Basil Ashvili, so who knows? Who knows what the future may hold for him. But great week for him winning uh, winning in Beijing. What about uh, what about the women's tournament in Beijing? Uh
2: well Caroline wasn't of course it's a, it's a um, premier mandatory uh in Beijing for the women. So it's a bigger, Much bigger event tournament, f- isn't it? Yeah. For, yeah, for the women than it is for the men. And there's only four Premier Mandatories, so Beijing's a big big deal um, and completely out of nowhere Caroline Bosniacki had um, Australian Open aside the, w- the week of her year uh, didn't drop a set be uh, serviced over in the final 6-3, 6-3 to win her third title I mean completely out of nowhere She, I thought, she
0: has rather done nothing between yeah. the Australian Open now
2: Yeah I mean incredibly impressive but uh, yeah, uh, and, and and jarring, I think, and really made me reevaluate her a bit because I think of her as a real like groove form player. I didn't think of her really as somebody that could just sort of turn it on out of nowhere. But boy, did she do that this week! It was an interesting week, wasn't it? Qiang Wang, real success for for Chinese players, um, which is great to see. No, most notably, Qiang Wang. We're saying Wong, aren't we? They were saying Wong in commentary. That's do I correct. need to start saying Wong? You do,
0: yeah.
2: Wong Kiang. Correct, correct. Wong Kiang. Were you going to correct me before I correct? No, myself? No, I'm too shy. You, um, you,
0: <laughs> and also, right. I I, ha, I did go Wong commentary. I'm ashamed to say it, but I did go Wong commentary, calling the same player three different things in the course of a commentary. But anyway. Uh, Which
2: player was it, David? Come on. Oh,
0: crikey. Who was it? um it was was uh,
2: it Lara Arua Borena
0: no actually it was it was Sevastova stroke uh. Sevastova stroke something else I can't even remember but I definitely <laughs> called her three things <laughs> um, and actually at one point I just alerted the viewers look we're going to settle on this because she's saying that I'm saying this and, and it might be a third option so uh, anyway we'll uh, we'll go with one or the other um yes uh Wozniacki, uh, the, the other thing is I think she has just had a lot of niggly injuries. And she's one of those players that she cannot play if she can't move at 100%. There's no yes. chance she's going to beat players just, I don't know, either by finessing them off the court or blasting them off the court. She, she's she got one way of playing tennis, really, uh, and it's about grinding. Uh, and I, and i don't i don't mean that as a criticism of her, but it was quite jarring to look at her record for the year this year um w- when I was commentating on her in in Wuhan and to think here 's the Australian open champion, and she still hadn't qualified at that point for singapore you know it was it was still actually it was still up in the air at that point if she hadn't have had and obviously she's made it now comfortably but yeah, I mean, she. if if I look at her year here, after the Australian Open, I think she had a, a good run for a little while after that. She um, made the semis, absolutely brilliant run in, in Doha. Semis, she managed to beat Kerber. But then after that, in Indian Wales and Miami, she didn't get past the, the fourth round. Um, she... Didn't do much on the clay, uh, as as per usual. It's not her favourite service. Didn't make a semi-final on the clay at all. Won at Eastbourne. And then after that, mm. second round Wimbledon, second round Montreal, second round Cincinnati, second round US Open, second round Tokyo. And a lot of these are buys. So she was just not winning matches at all. Um, and then Wuhan, she got beaten by Monica Pig I commentated on that match, and she just got knocked off the court. And then here she is, winning Beijing, beating... Belinda Benchich, Petra Martic, Annette Kontaveit, Katerina Siniakova, uh, Wang Wong Kiang, and then Anastasia Sevastova six three six three in the final didn't lose a set. I mean that is that is markedly impressive.
2: Yeah, it's absolutely brilliant, and it's been a it's been a long time, isn't it, since she won uh, a Premier Mandatory? Has it been? Is it? Was it twenty eleven? Did I see that stat? That, it's been I'm a long, sure. long time since she won a Premier Mandatory. Um, yeah. Certainly um so yeah I mean that is that's huge let alone and and I had just I before last week when it became apparent that that victory um had qualified for Singapore I had just sort of mentally assumed that she was there um uh, you know and I think it's I I personally find it important for those the end of year championships that the that all the Grand Slam champions from the year are are present maybe that's old-fashioned of me but I'm I yeah I I think it's right for it. It wouldn't feel right. No it you. It wouldn't you, feel right. Yeah. Last year
0: we didn't have Sloane Stephens there because she she'd had uh, not you know obviously she'd had the, the very serious injuries in the first half of the year. Um but actually the the one player who's not going to be there unless there are withdrawals now is Irina Sabalenka who a week ago we thought might make it but she was eventually knocked out by Wang wasn't she in the, the quarter semi-finals semi-finals.
2: Yeah absolutely brilliant. Performance by Wong and and total drama, thrilling um, inputs from Peter McNamara um, in the in the on court coaching department. Such as, um, well, he's just incredibly honest. She's like, "What do you want me to do?" And he's like, "I don't know, I don't know." <laughs> um, and there's a lot of he's not afraid to talk about the opponent. A lot of the time. Um, uh, those on-court coaching exchanges it's it's all, all, to a fault introspective isn't it it's what you need to do don't worry about what she's doing this is what you need to do and he was all about look she's playing brilliant right now because she went three love up didn't she Sabalenka um, at the start of the match and ended up losing in, in straight set 7-5, seven, 7-5 five, seven, five, I think it was um, and he said just he i think he came on at three love you know and he just said look sh- you will get a chance you will get a chance this is how she rolls wait for your ch- keep doing what you're doing and you'll get a chance and lo and behold it came she was waiting for it she was ready she she pounced on it. And then he, I think he came on at the end of the first set, you know, when it really felt important for her to hammer home that advantage and, and not let Sabalenka get a grip at the start of the first set. And he said, she is a confidence player. She's all about confidence. Don't let her get on a roll. It's it's imperative. He said, this next game is the most important one of the match. You have to win it. You can't let her get her foot back in the, in the door because then it'll, it'll be all about her um and yeah she sort of said what can I what can I do at that three love down about you know about the the winners that she's hitting and he just said I don't know (laughs) you know there's nothing you can do Uh, and he's right that sort of honesty is because Sabalenka is completely unplayable at her best completely unplayable so he just said I don't know what you can do don't worry about that just have faith that you will get a chance that she cannot keep that up and you will get a chance um yeah and it was really interesting i personally am disappointed that chances of sabalenka qualifying are fading cuz you know she she's just so exciting and and i i would be very surprised um injuries aside if she wasn't there next year you know she's a she's a top 8 player isn't she already um really um so yeah it's a shame I, I still wouldn't rule it out she's playing tianjin she's down to play tianjin and moscow next week so i mean she's going to be exhausted at the end tenth, of the year 10th place
0: she? she is currently she does need a withdrawal though um and she does uh, samana Sima- halep is the one who hurt her back wasn't and had to withdraw wasn't she um so um
2: but she's she says um there's no question of surgery and i'm definitely going to singapore halep does mm. Petra Kvitsa so, also
0: qualified and, and Osaka, uh, we know, is there. She's in fourth place uh, for the year, but she had an eventful week as well, didn't she?
2: Goodness me, she did, yeah. She, um, well, the week started, but I think mere minutes, uh, inconveniently, David, after our podcast recording last week, um, she did her pre-Beijing press conference um, and she was asked by the Assembled Media About the incident, the incident that seems reductive somehow, doesn't it? About what happened in the U.S. Open final, and and it was it's pretty harrowing what she had to say, really, and the way she had to say it that she she doesn't like to think about it still. um, That it was incredibly difficult and happy isn't how she feels when she thinks about it and bittersweet bittersweet was the word she used yeah and um she said that she thinks she did so well in tokyo because it was a welcome distraction from the us open i mean that's just awful what a shame she doesn't want to think about it it's um yeah i mean the fact that she's she's channeling it so so positively, uh, or certainly did so in Tokyo. She didn't have a bad week in Beijing, did she? But she had a... Who was the match against David? Remind me. Which one? When she got very, very upset. Oh, it was, it was very emotionally... against uh, Zhang
0: Shui. And, Zhang um, Shui, there we she, go. Yeah, very... she, she had, um, she had a, a three-set epic with her. Uh, and in the end, I, I remember her, her. it was a very warm embraced at the net they're clearly very close um but she was quite apologetic i think about yeah she about was about the fact that she'd she'd been showing her emotions in the match and that she'd been she'd been crying openly on the court and it just seemed as though that moment it all became a bit too much for her and, and she actually talked about her next match that she ended up losing that even though she lost she was just pleased that she behaved better and it's 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 quite an interesting mental case study at the moment isn't it because I mean Osaka is a different kind of personality to to most players we've ever seen before anyway I I can't remember someone coming across quite like she does and I don't really know what's going to happen from day to day with her and it it will be interesting to see what happens because not only is her success rocketing at the moment I've noticed how her social media channels have just gone off the scale. Every time, I mean, this was a woman who a year and a half ago she had a, a few thousand followers on on social media, and she was and she was funny. Now she can she could sneeze on social media, and it gets liked four thousand times. You know, the, there's just an enormous reaction to everything and she it, does. And
2: is the nature of the content, David? How different is it? Is it all corporate? Advertorial slash sponsored content, or does no, it still feel real? Does no, it still feel like her? Because that's it still the feels real. Thing. For it me. still
0: feels real to me. She still feels like she's having a laugh with it, um which, which is which is fine. It's just that you 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 sense. You look at somebody's followers, and it doesn't necessarily equate to how much interaction that person is getting on social media. She is getting almost the same kind of reaction to a tweet that Serena Williams is getting now, in terms of just engagement of, of of people viewing it and responding to it um, yeah not
2: everyone wants to see a topless serena williams singing i touch myself though do they which is what we got last week on serena williams is that isn't it wasn't that social media it was for a brilliant for some sort of cause, isn't it? cause i don't know what brilliant it was cause and i guess the fact that we're talking about it now is for for um breast cancer awareness ah, right, um right. brilliant cause and i guess the fact that we're talking about it makes it justifies it in itself. However, I, I, it was <laughs> I found it pretty startling. Have mm. you not seen it? N-
0: no. No right. I Right.
2: It's it's Serena Williams a cappella singing I touch myself.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah.
2: I've really felt like we were in the twilight zone when I was watching that. <laughs> I did read <laughs> I mean, about there, it. But I there were many I things that happened last week that made me think that um the unit you know, we'd finally as a s as a species um, entered the twilight zone and uh, Serena Williams singing I Touched Myself was was just one of those
0: indeed I well, tell you what just <laughs> just a, a minor note here I'm, I'm currently watching what I, what I what it turns out are brief highlights of Bradley Klan against Nick Kyrgios Kyrgios having taken the first set in Shanghai in the first round and then Klan has won the second set and I'm telling you Kyrgios is not not really trying. He's slapping at balls. He's there's, and there's hardly anyone in the crowd. The Shanghai, of course, is where he had his incident, isn't it? With um with uh Zverev, Misha Zverev, a couple of years ago. Yes. um And and Kyrios has been beaten anyway, six three in the
2: third. He also did a thing which I wasn't going to mention because I just don't think he deserves the airtime. Um, but he did a thing last week, didn't he? Where he. Uh, earnestly said in press that a doubles player uh, whose name escapes me, not one I'd heard of, I must admit, uh, was now he's a coach. And he said, you can quote me on that. He is my coach. And then everybody wrote about it and uh, quoted him on it because people take an interest in Nick Kyrgios and wish him well and and uh, want him to flourish in his career because, in the words of Mohamed Leani, he's good for tennis. And then he took the piss out of everyone for writing about him took the piss out of the media for being gullible um because that bloke isn't his coach and i just thought you sneer it was sneery and i just felt like okay we won't we won't give two hoots about you then, Nick. We won't write about what's going on with you. Why should we care if you're going to make fun of us for caring?
0: I do. Think I re- the, it really the-
2: annoyed me. I know. I know he thought it was just a little prank, and I know Andy Murray did something similar on April Fool's Day about Ross Hutchins being his coach. But it just felt sneery and misjudged, and I just big time I, I rolled and just thought. Nick, you you're too you tennis-wise, you're an irrelevance. People will stop writing about this stuff, and then it's not going to be very funny.
0: Well, he does need some results soon because uh, people are starting to not take interest. Actually, now it seems to me uh, because because not nothing's happening. Nothing's happened this year in in his career. Really, um, Stan Wawrink has just been beaten by Borna Chorich, who's who's also had a, a steady progression this year he's actually made some real strides um so yeah so a few results there from shanghai as they happen here on the tennis live, podcast Irrelevant. live
2: <laughs> seem to be out of date tennis news yeah. that you could just uh look up on the internet great that's what the people come here for let's sell um, the show that's
0: what i say a couple
2: of other bits and bobs david kevin uh, anderson
0: what a great bloke how about that
2: yeah kevin anderson in being a great bloke news not news but you know latest latest installment of karen anderson being a great great bloke um he was thanked by also lovely bloke uh matt ebden uh on social media because he anderson agreed to play their match on wednesday uh a day later than i think was proposed um in a gesture to give ebden more time to recover from his illness and Matt Abden said, quote, authentic people with character are hard to find. Not too sure how many people out there would do that. He's absolutely right. I'm not sure there are too many people, even, you know, the good eggs out there. Their competitive juices might prevent them from, from such a gesture. And, yeah, we was it last week or a couple of weeks ago that we were talking about the, the fact that there are disappointingly few uh, in tennis that are prepared to, to stand up for anything? And, and for that reason... Kevin Anderson really stands out and deserves deserves credit. And yeah, he's he's a lovely bloke, isn't he? I,
0: I remember that happening once before, by the way. Uh, about crikey, we're going back twenty five years to Miami final, Pete Sampras against Andre Agassi, and. Um, which one of them was it? Sampras got a stomach bug. That was it. Sampras got a stomach bug, and Agassi agreed to delay the final so that they could still play. It. Um, and, uh, wow. and and Sampras ended up beating him, <laughs> which uh, was a bit of, bit of a shame for uh, for old Andre. But anyway, it was a nice move. Um, we've also got. Uh, yeah, I, th- th- do companies. you know what that
2: reminds me of? Not. Uh, I, I don't think I can say the names. Um, but two players on the Champions Tour uh, playing a final uh, and uh, one was really struggling uh, with injury, couldn't serve at full strength and, and the other would probably have beaten him anyway because was the stronger, younger uh, player. Uh, but, you know, as is the way on the Champions Tour, you know, it's an exhibition circuit, the, the stronger uninjured player, uh, player, uh, yeah, uh, started being very, very kind um, to the injured player and took it into a into a into a Champions tie break, made it look competitive, uh, and uh, the other one uh, went ahead and uh, and turned it on for the Champions tie break, won the thing, and uh, I saw a uh, the runners up trophy being thrown in the bin backstage <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> Who are the players? Am I allowed to say? I
0: don't know. <laughs> Who are they?
2: Well, I don't know. This might actually be groundbreaking news because the uh, this might get edited out, mightn't it? But the the one that did the uh, the bad thing or the uh, the alleged bad thing was Stefan Edberg, Ooh. repeated winner of the <laughs> the <laughs> Stefan Edberg sport, Sportsmanship <laughs> Award, and the uh, runner-up trophy in the bin player was Goran Ivanisevic. <laughs> Runner-up trophy in the bin. It's one of my favourite Champions Tour memories ever.
0: Sensational. Love it. (laughs) Okay. Right. What else we got to talk about? Fed Cup Uh, and backhands.
2: Yeah. Fed Cup is coming to... Coming home. It's coming... Is that a thing? It's coming to the UK. The British are coming. Uh, they were hosting it for the first time since 1993 so the top group of the europe africa zone will play at bath university uh my mother's alma mater lovely city bath uh in february lovely it's great news that is
0: nice that is really and, and and hat tip to my good friend and uh colleague at Queen Stephen Farrer who now looks after all the the competition and tournament side of things at, at uh, in British tennis, and he actually was quite instrumental in arranging that. So, uh no brilliant, surprise, well done eh? him.
2: And it's and it it feels right because we at Great Britain have been so unlucky with draws for the Fed Cup in terms of always having away ties. Always, we we haven't we haven't had a stage in the uk for women's team tennis for for goodness knows how long certainly not since you know joe conter rose to prominence which is such a shame yeah so it's come yeah. so close so well done yeah. Stephen farrow uh, well done Stephen farrow Brilliant. what else
0: have we got to talk about 100 well backhands we've not got, got much backhands.
2: time left yet and i know you want to talk about one handed backhands but i want to talk about joe conter's dog right so. okay should
0: we should we should we delay 100 backhands against handed backhands then
2: well, you can you, – well – Andy Murray's um. had
0: his say about uh, – it was quite quite funny. Um, everybody's always waxing on about how beautiful a single-handed backhand is. And, and I'm, I'm just as guilty as anybody. And Andy Murray, on his Instagram page, decided he would like to – state the case for the uh the the double-handed backhand he said i'm here to stick up for double handers the one-handers are always said to be more beautiful more artistic and poetic but almost all the best backhands in the game are double-handers controversial almost all coaches say they would teach a double-handed backhand because it's a more simple effective and efficient technique art doesn't need to be complex there is beauty in simplicity double-handers for the win what do you think catherine
2: yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with what he says. Uh, you know, I, I'm aware that coaches teach would teach a double handed backhand. It's more simple, effective, efficient, da da da. Yes, almost all the best backhands in the game are double handers. Um, don't disagree with any of that. There are some all time brilliant double handers out there. The the jump double handed backhand um, is a thing of beauty. I always think of Marit Safin when I think of that shot, but there are plenty of hit it. Um, beautifully over the years Um, but if I had to choose between the very best double-hander and the very best single-hander for on on aesthetics and artistic basis I would go for the single-hander and I defy anyone who hasn't seen that slow motion shot of Shapovalov hitting a um, jump single-handed backhand just make sure you've seen that before you decide but I've got double-hander yeah, and it's and it's brilliant. I've
0: got a single hander, and it's better. Shoddy. Yeah. Mm. We haven't had a rematch yet. Do Rem- you
2: ever? Do you ever hit it topspin, though, David, or is it always yes. slice? You do. I do. All right. Okay. Uh, I
0: mean, I have to say, during my match against Simon last week, uh, it, it was. It took me about forty-five minutes to try one topspin backhand because my slice was a going so well, and B, I was too scared. And then when I did do a, a drive backhand it did hit the back fence
2: i can't bear people that own only chip or slice their backhand i can't bear it
0: you, It must right? be like
2: playing greg rozetsky
0: <laughs> yeah yes. are, you,
2: are you are you the greg rozetsky of henley and whatever yeah. tennis club
0: i'm, I'm the greg rozetsky of hackersville is what I am. Um, <laughs>
2: right then, David, we're running out of time. Right. Um, what do you want so to talk what, about? On, do, you, agree with, do you agree with me things, uh, on what I say about so what, what's your position?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I actually think Andy Murray makes quite a convincing argument uh, uh, and I think of people like Andre Agassi uh, for a two-hander. I just think he's... Um, he He's got such a reliable backhand you know I, th- I tend to think that the there's nothing is that sexy much more... about
2: reliability david that's not oh, what we're talking about
0: well that's lovely isn't it all <laughs> us lovely reliable people out there uh, i'm not
2: i'm not i'm not it, it, it's a value but we're not talking about that are we right. we're talking about beauty artistry and poeticism Look, those I, are andy murray's words i can only
0: say what i what i said at the start of the topic which is that when i'm commentating i bang on about the single handed backhand being a thing of beauty. And it. Sorry, Andy, you're wrong.
2: Joe Conte has got a new dog, David. Um, I don't think my words can do it justice. So I would urge you just to go on social media and uh, look into uh, uh, what's it called? Bobo? Bobo's deep uh, blue eyes Bobo. as I spent most of my weekend doing. It's beautiful. It's a great dog. It's a, hmm. a Daxund Lovely, okay. Okay. and Agnieszka Radvanska, David has opened a hotel, an Agnieszka Radvanska themed hotel. Joy, where each of the uh, each of the boutique uh, rooms um, is themed uh, according to one of her most successful tournaments. So there's a Wimbledon room.
0: Do you have to crouch uh, down on your haunch- haunches to get into every I don't room? Know. <laughs> like she's hitting one of her forehands.
2: Yeah, I d- I don't know, I don't know, but the pictures of it made me hoot with laughter. It's brilliant, it's brilliant. She's she's looks like she's having a whirl of a time. It's great. I'm not sure I actually want to. Do I want to stay there? I don't know. Maybe I desperately do want to stay there. Just for Anyways, social media. If maybe, you want to stay there, it's in it's in Krakow. We could so. record
0: a tennis podcast in the <gasps> Radwanski okay.
2: Hotel. Okay, right. I'm I'm all of a sudden convinced. <laughs> <laughs> Which re- would you want the Wimbledon room or the Beijing room? Um I don't think there is a Birmingham room. No. They've, well they've hang got... on a second. Did she ever did she win Birmingham ever? Don't think so. No. Birmingham mm. didn't make it. No. God, right. what would how would you decorate a Birmingham themed room, David? She might, she how would still, you how would you decorate it?
0: She might still win. Win it, who knows? Um well you'd you'd get um you get a chicken ballty for a start, and you would uh, you'd get an amazing football team wearing blue and white stripes um, on the wallpaper, and uh, yeah, that's about it, really.
2: You'd get John Terry in there, maybe. Yeah, no, no, in- and Thierry Henry. Yeah. No, 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 no. Right then, David, we've strayed again. It's time to <laughs> it's time to get this show on the road or off the road. Let's get this show off the road. Um, we've been the tennis podcast, David. Uh, brought to you in association with the Telegraph, uh, with our executive producers Melanie Bowes, Triple S, tennisballs.com, dot uh, com, with lemanga Club, where our competition winners David have been enjoying their wonderful holiday this weekend. They look like they've had a lovely time.
0: I mean, surely we we haven't really worked that out too well. We should have that. We should have had that holiday for ourselves. That looks like a fantastic trip.
2: It lo- It really look. It's good doesn't it really looks good um so yeah
0: congratulations to chris and olivia
2: yes absolutely and uh olivia's been the, the olivia uh who looks quite heavily pregnant now um photographed on the tennis court so that that baby is playing from the womb
0: wearing the tennis podcast t-shirt champion
2: which... in champion in the making
0: yeah you you can get your own tennis podcast t-shirt and sweatshirt and and are,
2: and are actively encouraged to do so.
0: Yeah, on our website.
2: Uh, Nick Kyrgios has lost, by the way, from a setup, loses to world number 104. Bradley Klan did not react well to his effort being questioned by umpire Damien Dumoussoir. That is hot off the press from Stuart Fraser. Um, right. And that leaves us only, David, to mention our beloved mascot, Charlie the Ferret. We, David, will be back next week